0: Good evening. This is the Tomorrow Christian Today reading Ephesians 3 in the NLT. Before I pray, I got a question to put out to you. Um, I was looking at some videos again about narcissism. Because one guy said, oh, there's an explosion of narcissism in the world. Okay, so, you know, there's a guy talking now. He looks like a doctor. I don't know if he is. He's very confident in what he's saying. And he's talking about the narcissist, the narcissist. I think we all have narcissistic tendencies because that's pride, ego and entitlement. And I don't think it's good pride in a good way, like not taking pride in your work. It's like an overinflated version of self. But I'd like to know what's the boundaries between people who have narcissistic tendencies, which I think would be just about everybody versus a narcissist. Like if you're meek and humble, people say you're not confident. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. I mean, I hope the Lord doesn't mind. Was Jesus a narcissist? I mean, I I think the answer is no, he was not, but it depends on who you ask, right? He says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And then, but then he says in Matthew 11, he says, I am meek and humble and you shall find rest for your souls. And the Bible says in the beatitude that the meek shall inherit the earth, not the proud. But this doctor is talking about the narcissist, the narcissist, the narcissist. Now, I don't know if anybody's noticed in, in North America, maybe in the world, marriages are breaking down. You have women on YouTube saying, oh, um, the narcissist, the narcissist, you get the feeling you're talking about men. Then you have men talking about narcissists, you get the feeling you're talking about women or their ex-spouses. Like, like how do you define someone who is a narcissist? Like someone who's using somebody else? Do you define them by the clothes they wear or how they wear their clothes? Do you, you do you define a narcissist by how tight their clothes are? Because I'm just going to leave it at that. I think there's a lot of narcissism in the world, but the problem is, if you're a narcissist, how would you know? Because narcissists don't think they're narcissists. So when these people are talking about the narcissist, the narcissist, the narcissist. They make it sound like, oh, I'm not a narcissist, but somebody else is. Well, if you don't think somebody else is a narcissist, maybe you're the narcissist. Like, I think this word is just getting bantered around like so much, you know, it's, it's just kind of crazy. It is, I think pride kills relationships, but I'm just amazed how people use it so freely as if to say, I'm not the narcissist. I can't possibly be a narcissist. Somebody else is the narcissist. I just, I just wanted to know what's the difference between a person with narcissistic tendencies, which I think is about all of us, versus except Jesus Christ, versus a narcissist, I guess a person who can't ever change and who can't ever see I'm the problem, not the solution. I need to admit that I'm the problem before I can get the solution. I wonder when the Bible, God says in the Bible, let him who is holy be holy still, let him who is filthy be filthy still. I wonder if that's God's way of saying, most people who are narcissists will never realize they are, will never realize they're sinners and will never come to me to fix. Let him who is unholy be unholy still. Because most of of these videos that I've seen, is where people are so freely accusing other people of being narcissists, they say the narcissist cannot change. Do you know people who are adults who do change? I don't know. It's just, It's Just wondering if anybody kind of knew, because it just seems like people point the finger at somebody else and say that other person is the narcissist, not me though. I can't possibly be a narcissist. Would a narcissist know they're a narcissist and complain about it? let's pray dear lord i think we can't fix ourselves i think that we can overanalyze everything so much and we can always point the finger at somebody else's sin it's so obvious we can't see our own sins and i honestly think lord that i do want to see my sins because if i don't know i'm a sinner how can i ask for repentance and i want to be someone who is teachable and meek and humble and if i've contributed to any problems in relationships i would want to i would want to know so i can fix we all have our boundaries lord i think we need you to show us what our deficits are so we can ask for forgiveness and be the kind of people that your son was help us as we study your word in ephesians 3. give us wisdom that comes from meekness that comes from obedience to you i pray in the name of christ amen i would say before i start I would say that my soon-to-be ex probably says that I'm the narcissist because I insisted that we were born in a wrong system with a false narcissistic uh, um, lady who said she was speaking for God and who's currently dead. I bet you my ex would say I'm the narcissist because I was trying to force her to leave that system. And I would say she's the narcissist because I don't see my kids. But since you don't know the both of us, I guess you'll never know. The truth is somewhere in the middle. But I would say that we're both, we both have narcissistic tendencies because we both think we're right and both can't be right. I used to wonder why God got so upset when Adam and Eve ate a little piece of fruit or whatever it was. It wasn't the fruit; it was what they sent to God. We don't trust you. I think that's why He got upset. That's why there's a. That's why He walked. That's why He withdrew from the uh, human race a little. Okay, fine. You're on your own. God knew this, this is what we would do to ourselves. We would just do what we think is right in our own eyes. We'd become our own little gods, and we'd be, you know, kind of hurting each other. People want to get together, but it hurts. People are like porcupines. They want to get together, but it hurts. Let me read, Ephesians 3. When I think of all this, I, Paul, prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming by the way that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. That sounds kind of narcissistic, but I know that he wasn't because he suffered in life and he had to go through a lot. So he's just sounding like he's so entitled and he knows, but, but he was blessed by the Holy Spirit. And these are, these words are in the Bible. And he wrote them. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into the plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to precious generations, but now by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan, both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. But God's grace and mighty power, by God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. So it's a privilege to know God. God doesn't owe us anything. You may believe that, you, you may say Jesus is the savior. It doesn't entitle you to anything. I mean i think i think it's a privilege i think to be to know it's a privilege is to be meek and humble i guess this narcissism thing is bouncing around in my head am i guilty of stuff am i guilty of being a narcissist and i don't even know it i mean this is all over youtube you'd have to be basically living under a rock not to have seen these videos um it's and and was one guy said there's an explosion is it because of our generation? It's the me generation, me, 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 instant gratification. Is that what it is? Is that we pushed God out, we just want to do what we want to do? Is that pride and ego? Well, I don't know how you're gonna have relationships when you have a lot of pride in it. Because if if you know, if you're if you have a lot of pride, then it's like two bosses living together. Eventually it's gotta break down. And if it's a boss and a servant, well, then the boss will always take, take 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 and the servant will always give 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 but all these people on youtube saying i'm the victim of the narcissist i wasn't the narcissist the other person was boy i guess okay i'm done i'm done with that verse 8 though i am the least deserving of all god's people he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone the mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, has kept secret from the beginning. I wonder when Paul was just lying there, you know, for three days but before he, before God restored his sight. And, and there's some, there's some talk that his sight was never properly 100% restored because it says scales, fell, something like scales fell from his eyes and he could see again. I wonder if all this kind of went through his head. I wonder if he had a chance to rethink his whole life just kind of sitting there he didn't eat anything he's just lying in this bed you know all these people have helped him probably was like scared out of his mind thinking i wouldn't be blind for the rest of my life and it's like i was blind to that jesus was the messiah like i wonder if he just went through all of this in his head because it seems to me that all this writing it was revealed to him of course he was taught these things too i'm sure you know it wasn't like he just got up and became a preacher. I mean, he had to learn the gospel as well. But as I heard in a sermon, he probably had a very fine mind. He was Jewish. He was a Pharisee. He was the top of his game. He was the cream of the crop. Uh, he knew the Bible like inside out, the, the Old Testament, the scriptures, the, the Hebrew scriptures. Hey, this guy, this guy was probably batting 150 IQ. I mean, you got you all that stuff memorized. You're the, you're the zealous of the zealous. You're the creme de la creme. You know what I mean? It's one th- what's a, what, what do you need for it to be a, a genius? 130 IQ, 150? I remember trying to read a book, Games for the Super Intelligent um, by James Fix. It was like people who are in Mensa, right? I'm not in Mensa. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I've always been sort of behind the game plan. So I'm definitely not Mensa. But, you know, if you know you're Mensa and you're really smart, can you be, can you be full of yourself? Like you're really smart. You know, you're really smart. Everybody else around you just doesn't get it. Like, I mean, I'd be, it'd be hard to stay humble and meek. Of course, if you're a scientist and you're studying stuff in the world and you're, you, do, you are humble and meek because you realize no matter how many questions you try to answer, there's always another question, right? I don't know how, don't know how scientists who are really, really smart can study all the stuff in the cell, all the stuff going on in the human body, and they can say to themselves, it just happened by, by mere chance like, undirected evolution. I don't know how they can say stuff like this. I think some of them probably don't even believe it themselves, but they're not going to say anything because they're going to get fired. I mean, Paul's Paul's figuring all this out, and he says in verse 9, I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, has kept secret from the beginning. You know, wait, there's a purpose in our lives. There's an intent there. There's a plan there. It, it may seem coincidental. It may seem... Undirected, It may seem like things happen to you at a whim, but God allows things. He directs things. He allows the devil to do what the devil does, but the devil's kind of a, a reigned in foe and he's a defeated foe. Like God's in charge. God is the, God is the, you know, the wisdom of, of the ages. And he made Jesus who is the wisdom of the ages. God is wisdom. He's intellect. He's, he's emotional intelligence. He's everything. How, how can you tinker around with nature and see how perfect it is? How the mitochondria and all the Golgi bodies and the nucleus and the DNA, DNA, uh, with transcription, um, and then, uh, RNA to, to, um, ribosomes and translation into proteins. And these proteins make all these enzymes. And part of these enzymes help you when you're working out in the gym. They pull the glycogen, the glucose into your body. And then they phosphorylate it at the sixth position and the glucose six uh, turns into chains of glycogen and that glycogen binds to water. Water is a bipolar molecule, right? It has a little positive chemical charge at one end and a little minus charge at the other, other end, the, the water molecule is drawn like a Mickey mouse hat and that water binds to the glycogen. And that's what makes your muscles kind of bulgy. How can scientists study that stuff and give parlance and articulation to all that and somebody say, it's all just done. It just kind of happened. I, I, I don't understand. I mean, that, that to me is the height of pride. Really don't understand. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So, if there are unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places, are those the good authorities or the bad authorities? Because it does say in a, It does say later on in Ephesians, it says we fight against principalities, against powers of wickedness in high places. So there's a lot going on behind the scenes that our feeble, limited, sinful-laden senses cannot discern. There's stuff going on we cannot see. We are not going to be privy to it in in this incarnation, in this rough draft of our existence. I think there's that story where either elijah or Elisha, uh the guy was like freaking out the servant was freaking out and he said we're just totally surrounded and elijah says open your eyes man and then the guy's eyes are open he can see all of god's army just circulating them like they were protected by the unseen forces from god they he and the servant didn't even know this apparently the prophet knew this but the servant didn't know it or he didn't trust god yes we do have to trust god because our senses are weak Adam and Eve could walk with God they could see him they could stand in his presence like God was around them like all the fire right they were living in the fire of God God is fire they could could live in that that says in Ezekiel 26 or 28 it says that Lucifer stood among the fiery stones God's essence is like a fire I don't know what God is made up of I mean (laughs) that that question doesn't even really have any relevance when it comes to God he's eternal mind but but what is, what does that look like in this in this universe fire so but but when when Adam and Eve sinned hoping they would be more woke right they'd, they'd have greater wisdom actually their eyes shut down their senses were were weakened our senses are weakened we cannot see we have to trust God we have no choice we have to trust because our physical senses can't 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 resolve God we can only resolve God in our minds. I mean, I, I see God in my mind, you know, he's like a bright white light, but then there's a face, you know, but it's pure energy, it's pure light, and then Jesus is sort of sitting right next to him, and Jesus is kind of like flame too, you know, you've seen some superhero movies where the guy's like made of flame, he turns around, his eyes are all glowing. Maybe that's how Jesus is right now. He's a human, but yet he's God too. I don't understand, I don't get it but I see something in my mind. There's a picture there, but of course the weak picture in my mind can't even begin to resolve the reality that it must be. And if I could see that reality, I'd probably just die because you can't see God and live. That's what he said to Moses. You cannot see me and live. Yet the Bible says Moses talks face to face with God. And that's what Jesus said to, he speaks face to face with with, with God. But yet humans, in their human form, cannot see God directly. The power is just too great. it just blow all your senses. He graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. We have a privilege to read the Bible. Maybe one day we won't have that privilege anymore. We should read it now before that privilege is revoked. Because it seems this world is just darkening and just... You know the freedoms and the freedoms and the republic—you um, know—character of America and even of this country too. It just seems to be just evaporating. It's just all this control now. It's—it's it's all this control. Big brother, big sister—I don't know what you want to call it. Paul says, "I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the Creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning." God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom. And then verse 11, this was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. So that was the plan. That's the plan from Je- Genesis 3.15, the, the eschaton. Somebody is coming who's going to, um, his heel is going to be bruised. Jesus' heel is going to be bruised. And, but the head of the serpent will be crushed. Satan's plans and, 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 and opinions and, uh, you know, rain and, and, um, The way he thinks will be destroyed. And it says that's the plan. That was always the plan. It was always that Jesus Christ should be the Messiah. Verse 12, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can come now boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. Verse 14, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. That's what we need today. We need inner strength. We need we need the strength of the Holy Spirit to keep us together mentally, emotionally, spiritually, in our minds together. I mean, everybody's working out in the gym. You know, I'm doing the same thing, trying to get the adrenaline going, trying to get the dopamine going, trying to activate the brain, trying to brush away the feelings of you know you get up in the morning just feel really down and depressed and you just kind of feel old and everything hurts and you go to the gym and then you it's like you it's like I'm trying to climb out of a pit so I'm definitely doing my part to help the mental by pumping up the physical but we need God to to do that too and if we don't want God in our life if we don't invite Him in He won't He won't come in He He respects our choice but it says we need to be empowered with inner strength through his spirit. Maybe that's just, just, just by reading the Bible here. It's just by reading the Bible and having that inner strength, that, that inner spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. I mean, that's what the gospel is, the inner strength from the Holy Spirit. Acknowledging that God is in charge. Acknowledging that God is, in, God is the Father, not space and time and random coincidence. I mean, people have all these hermeneutics, the Trinity, the Binitarian, the Biblical Unitarian, the annihilation of hell. I've said this before. Hell is burning forever, Uh, eternal conscious torment, Calvinism, Arminianism, Lutherism, whatever else ism. Uh, all these, all these, all these hills to die on. And none of this is the gospel to me. It's all just information, opinions, ideas. What is the gospel is the inner strength from the Holy Spirit. Do you have it? Do you believe that it's coming from God through Jesus Christ? Do you believe the Bible is the living word of God? And by reading it, it's going to help empower you. That to me is the gospel. That's what we want to bring to people. Because this world without God is just, it sucks the living soul right out of you. I mean, what are you you living for when things are so Dicey and out of control and unconfident and we all look at the government and we look at different things and and people say We don't know who's telling us the truth Who can you trust? Look at all these movies. No, nobody lives happily ever after anymore. Everything blows up. Everything is dystopian Everything is genetically modified. You know, it's like the humanity is being sucked right out of us That's what all these movies all these movies are about stuff like this. They're kind of bleak and dark. Only by God's spirit are we gonna have hope. I wanna have hope. I I wanna be able to get up like I was when I was a kid, bounding out of bed and just have that hope for the day, challenge, not being overwhelmed, not having 50,000 million things crowding in on my head. I guess I wanna be like Peter Pan, I don't wanna grow up. I don't wanna be naive. I I am a man, I want to take responsibility, don't get me wrong. But I I don't want to have the system beat out all the wonder inside of me. I don't know how, how to combat and fight back against except to read God's Word. I don't know any other way. I don't know how to fight all of this darkness and gloominess and overthink without reading the Bible, and without going to the gym and at least keep running. I don't need to be first. That's why I'm doing this. I'm not just doing this to hear my voice speak. I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this to represent Christ in a better way because I know I don't. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. I think I like that. I like the way that sounds and I want it to be true. And I believe it is. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. God's love is forever, it's like iron. It never crumbles, it never rusts, it never implodes. I'm so sorry about those dudes in the, in that, um, you know, sub. I mean, I'm so sorry what happened to them. Like, everybody was telling me, well, you know, they're rich and everybody's looking for them, but some guys died on a boat, some poor people. Okay, you know, I feel sorry for the people who died in the boat, the people who were poor. They drowned, apparently, you know. But I also feel sorry for those guys as well. Okay, maybe they were super rich and they were really smart and, you know, they had money to burn. But death is a death. And whatever happens in my life, I want to know where I'm going. I want to know what my destiny is. I want to know what my purpose is. I want to know how I'm going to live my eternity. Am I going to live it in the darkness and oblivion? Am I going to live it with God in a place of light and peace and happiness? What's my existence going to be? Because it just can't be all there is like right now. Verse 19, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Yeah, I think I like that. You know, the tree of good and evil was the experience. God never wanted us to experience evil, but yet he's allowing us to experience evil so that we will want the good because it says it's too great to understand fully, but we want to experience that. We want to experience love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. I don't want a platter of hermeneutics. I don't want a platter of Lutheranism and Calvinism and and, and Armenianism, with all respect to all these dudes, and Methodists, uh, you know, I respect all these great Christian guys. Hey, but those are just platters of information. I want to experience the spirit. That's what I want to do. I think that's the gospel. And if we experience something, won't we live it? Won't we show it? People will say about us, why is that guy different? Why does he got a smile on his face? Why has he got hope? Why is he not down? Why, why, why don't things bother him? What, where's, where's the power coming from? People, people will consider this about you because if they're empty, they're looking, they're unconsciously looking for someone who has a power that fills them, they're looking, their, their their eyes are looking, their subconscious is looking, they'll notice. How come that guy doesn't curse and swear like everybody else? Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. This life is an incomplete life. That's what people say, I'm broken. You can't make somebody else happy. You can only be completed by the Spirit of God. Another human being completing you, not going to happen. They're not complete themselves. How can an incomplete human being make you more complete? Unless God is completing them and completing you and doing it in the presence of each other. And I think that people just don't really care about God anymore. And I honestly think that's why the marriages are failing, including my own. Incomplete beings can never make any another human being happy you can do things for that person you can make that put help put that person in a in a state where they can reach god and be complete but you can never make them happy if they're fundamentally unhappy you are not going to be able to do enough verse 20 now all glory to god Who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think glory to him in the church and in christ jesus through all generations forever and ever amen trust god glory in god experience god be complete in god and god alone amen